Hello. Welcome to Environment Matters with me, Amanda Yorworth. Environment Matters is the show that brings you news on issues of sustainability and the environment from around St Albans and from further afield. Now, one of the unfortunate effects of coronavirus locally was the cancellation of the St Albans and District Sustainability Festival. Um, I was really looking forward to um, one event I was already signed up for. It was a talk at Books on the Hill, that's the um, the little independent bookshop on Hollywell Hill, and it was by sustainability guru Jen Gale about her book Sustainable-ish. But the upside was that Sustainable St Albans asked Jen instead if she'd join the panel of their latest showing of The Story of Plastic – Distance being no object, as the film was showing online and the panel discussion was, of course, online. Which gave me the opportunity to ask Jen if she'd come and talk to us here on Environment Matters. So she agreed. And with no further ado, let's hear what Jen had to say. Jen, thank you for joining me. So you've now got a website, social media, you've got a book, a podcast, and you've even run an online festival. Um, and you've got a following of, of thousands. But this all started with your Make Do and Mend Year. Tell us about that. What spurred you to do it? And was it harder than you expected? <laughs> um, I'm never entirely sure what spurred me to do it. Um, it was quite a naive challenge. I think I read about somebody else doing something similar and just thought it sounded quite fun and we something we could have a go at. The kids were kind of four and two or something at the time. So didn't really get a lot of say in the matter. And my husband just sort of went along with it thinking I'd get distracted quite soon, I think. <laughs> um, so yeah, but it really, like I said, it started off as quite a naive challenge. Um, but it really forced me to confront lots of these things that I think I'd you know, I was kind of aware of, as I think most people are, like fast fashion and resource depletion and the climate crisis. But this was eight years ago before we'd had Greta and Extinction Rebellion and all the awareness that we've got now. Um, but I, I think I I knew about them, but I was choosing somehow to look away from them. I was choosing, I thought somebody else was on it. You know, I didn't see that it was my place really to do anything or that I could do anything to influence any of these things. And that year was such... Um, a powerful thing to do in that it really made me face up to the fact that I could make a change and this responsibility that we have as individuals and as families and as um, I don't really like sort of labeling us as consumers but as consumers when we make choices we actually have a lot of potential to make a really big difference so um, it was you know as cliched as it sounds it was a real life-changing experience for me. And did you manage to to do all of that to have a, lot, a, a year where you didn't buy things and still feel sort of normal I suppose um, you know just thinking if you're wearing second-hand clothes yeah. all the time did you feel kind of scruffy a bit left out perhaps? Um, no not at all and I think that was one of the it's one of the things I talk about a lot now and one of the things I really wanted to emphasize during that year was that you know I think had you looked at us from the outside you wouldn't have noticed anything different from your family down the road or a another of the families at preschool when the kids were at preschool or anything like that and and so it is absolutely possible to make lots and lots of different choices without having to become this sort of stereotypical green person and um so yeah no it, it absolutely was I had a bit of a wobble um our eldest was at preschool like I said and he um 
we were just all, you know, constantly parents of young children and young children constantly going through the knees on jeans. And I um, patched very inexpertly a pair of his trousers and um, just had this, remember having this real wobble like, oh my God, I remember seeing kids when I was young with patches on their trousers, but I don't remember the last time I saw a kid now with patches on their trousers and oh my god what if he gets picked on at nursery because he's got patches on his trousers what if the nursery staff are making all these kinds of judgments about us because he's got patches on his trousers and it was really um do you know those sort of concerns and worries that I had and obviously they were completely unfounded but it was really telling I guess of the fact that it did induce that anxiety in me Yes, society does seem Mm. to have expectations about what you should look like and what your children should look like. And um, as you say, something like scruffy clothes can make people think certain things, can't they? But you were able to overcome that and and gain enough confidence to to complete the the whole year. Yeah. Um, Now, you you went on to um, promote the idea of sustainable-ish. Why is the ish so important? Oh, the ish is everything, I think. Um, I think when we, I don't know about you, but when I hear the word sustainability, I feel like it needs a bit of a makeover. It it conjures up, you know, sort of very dull, very staid, very worthy, um, probably a lot of going without and things like that. Whereas, um, and, and also this idea that we have to be perfectly green, otherwise there's no point even starting. Then I think a lot of people might think, well, I'd love to, um, you know, to do a bit to help the planet, but I, I can't really go vegan or I don't want to go vegan or I have to fly for work or I have to um, drive for the school run or for work. or So actually, you know, I can't make any changes, so what's the point? Whereas the ish is all about um, accepting that we're all going to be imperfect. Nobody's perfectly green. Accepting that we're all starting from different places. We've all got different challenges and different circumstances. That means somebody's um, really easy is going to be somebody else's really hard, and that's okay. And that you know every single step really does matter. And 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 the more people that we can get sort of on board and just making that first step, um, the more cumulative impact we can have. And I just think that ish allows people that wriggle room, that flexibility, that almost permission to do this really imperfectly which is you know imperfect eco-action is better than no eco-action at all. Yeah I mean I hear what you're saying Jen but uh, you know we are at the point now that the planet kind of needs superheroes. Do you think that your idea of encouraging us to get started with baby steps might lull people into thinking that they're kind of doing their bit whereas actually they need to do a whole bunch more? Yeah you know we are absolutely at a point of um crisis and this is a genuine emergency and I had you know this whole debate with myself is the ish enough but actually if I was to turn around to somebody and say you've um, got to run a marathon and you've got to run it tomorrow they'd be like no I'm not whereas if I said to them okay the goal is that we're going to run a marathon um, it's going to be in six months time and the very first thing I want you to do is have a look online for a training program they'd be like oh okay yeah I can have a go at that so I think it's on the one hand, yes, we do need to be taking really big, bold actions. But on the other hand, we need to bring everybody with us. And um, there's a brilliant quote by um, Anne-Marie Bonneau, who's the zero waste chef on social media. And she says, we don't need a handful of people doing zero waste perfectly. We need millions doing them imperfectly. And and it's exactly the same with sustainable living. I think this idea of these huge, big steps is off-putting for people. So if we can get them started 
then a significant proportion of them may well go on and do these big steps. Um, but if they never get started, they're never going to take these big steps. Indeed. So you're very much focused on personal actions, individual things that we can do. Do you think that those individual actions really do have the power to make the scale of changes that we need? Or or actually, do we need to be campaigning for big systemic change? Yeah, of course we do. And we need, I think it's, um, this question always frustrates me a little bit because it's this idea that we either have sustainable action or we have big systemic change or we get businesses on board. Actually, you know, obviously we need all three of those to come together. And one of the things I've really noticed is that if we can get people starting to make some small, easy changes, that sense of empowerment, that sense of the fact that actually I am make a difference gives people um, a lot more ownership over their choices and over the, their voice as well. And, and they're much more than willing and able and, and um, yeah, take ownership of the, the voices and the power that they have to call on big business to be making changes, to send that email to their MP, to get involved in a local group. But if, you know, if we don't ever get people started, then um, they can't do that. But I think um, Chris Packham was on um, social media last week as part of the Climate Coalition's virtual lobby campaign. And he he was talking about this and he said, you know, individual actions are never going to be enough, but actually don't underestimate the most powerful thing you have, which is your voice and make your voice heard. Whether that's in your buying decisions, whether that's in emailing your MP, whether that's in tweeting a company when you find some rubbish of, of you know, one of their products on the ground. But um, the business will follow money MPs will follow the vote. So if we can, enough of us can convince them that we're going to take our money or our vote elsewhere, things will start to change. Indeed. So we find ourselves in the middle of Plastic Free July here. Do you think that we're right to put so much focus on plastic? Or do you think that we should be looking more at the amount that we waste in general? Yeah, but I can see how and why plastic is a really good starting point. And I refer to it sometimes maybe a little bit flippantly as a kind of gateway drug because um, plastic is so visible we're so much more aware of it now certainly after things like Blue Planet 2 and stuff like that and and it's very visible isn't it we have a drink um, out of our plastic bottle and then we're going out for our walk and we see plastic bottles we can see that cause and effect we can see that link whereas with um, maybe with more more generally with waste it's a bit out of sight out of mind and I think certainly with the climate crisis it's really hard to see that cause and effect that direct cause and effect and to join those dots so plastic is a really is a really good place to start um but it's also um a really bad place to stop do you know so if we can if we can get people started with something like plastic that's so visible and actually quite easy um to see an impact as well, because, you know, you can literally look in your plastic recycling bin or you can literally look in your bin and see that you've made an impact or look around your bathroom and see how much, how, how fewer, that's not grammatically correct, how, how many less plastic bottles you have um, around. It's very good visual thing to be able to see. But yeah, I mean, David Attenborough talks about this, doesn't he? One of the things he said, I think, to a, um, a child on an interview was, you know, the key to it all is to waste less. So whether that's electricity whether that's petrol when you're driving your car whether that's um plastic whether that's food um we need to start valuing the things that we have much more and to waste less of everything really indeed so as you've um as you've said i mean plastic is 
is everywhere, really. You know, food packaging, your toiletry mm. bottles, disposable masks that unfortunately we're seeing disposed mm. of, you know, willy-nilly all over the place. Where do we start cutting back on plastic? Where's a good place for, 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 for me to start? I always think the bathroom's a brilliant place to start because lots of us and I share this frustration as well, you know, you do your supermarket shop and you come home and you unpack it and you're left with like a carrier bag's worth of just plastic wrapping and it's really visual, visible, really frustrating, feels like you can't really do anything. So then you just get overwhelmed and you stop. Um, but that's because, you know, we live in this system where everything comes wrapped in plastic. Whereas if we just take a step back and we think, okay, so that's that's actually quite difficult. Or that feels quite hard at the moment, especially with the restrictions that we're still currently under. How about I have a little look at the bathroom? Can I um, can I use bar soap instead of regular soap? Uh, you know, um, hand shower gel and things like that. Can I use can I use a shampoo bar? Can I um, can I swap my menstrual products to reusable menstrual products? Can I get um, a um, a safety razor so that I'm using something you know that's not a disposable one? And but remember all the time that there are plastic-free-ish solutions. So we tried and tried and tried with bar soap and with shampoo bars. And it just ended up, you know, the kids weren't really washing their hands. Um, everybody just wasn't really that happy with it. I tried so many different shampoo bars and couldn't find one that I got on with. So what we now do as our plastic-free-ish solution is we bulk buy the big five-litre bottles and we dispense that into, into the smaller bottles of shampoo and hand wash and shower gel and things like that. And it's not a perfect solution, but it's a solution that works for us right now. And I think that's really, really important is finding something that works for you, being okay with that. Um, and, um, you know, meaning that you have made some progress rather than just going, yeah. oh, I can't, I can't find a, a shampoo bar I like, so I'll go back to my small 200 mil bottles. Yeah, well, that's right indeed. And actually, we're lucky enough locally that there are places that will refill your, 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 yeah. your plastic bottle. So you buy it once and that's it. So, Jen, you know, it seems that like you, you like to challenge yourself to, to uh, um, constantly do new things. What's your next challenge? Um, book number two is um, currently with the copy editors. So that's coming out in March. So that was quite a challenge writing that in lockdown with the kids around and things like that. Um, and then in September, um, I'm launching a free five day challenge really aimed at, um, I, I don't know, I, like, I really like this term I heard the other day, the eco curious. So do you know people who are kind of feeling a bit like, oh, I really feel like I ought to be doing something, but I'm not sure where to start or what to do or what's the right thing. And I'm overwhelmed with all this information. Um, so that's going to be um, a free five day challenge over on um, social media and a pop up group on Facebook in September. So I'm looking forward to that. Brilliant. Well, that sounds like a, um, a fantastic initiative and a great way to, to get a few people started there. Jen, thank you very much indeed for sharing all that inspiration with us today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I was talking there to Jen Gale and do look her up on social media. Um, now, Books on the Hill, uh, that's on Hollywell Hill, um, tell me that they do have Jen's book, um, The Sustainablish Living Guide, in stock. Everything you need to know to make small changes that make a big difference. And uh, they say it's in stock and ready to buy. Um, a bit of the blurb is if you want to save the planet, but your to-do list is already pretty long and remembering your reusable coffee cup feels like a Herculean task, then this is the book for you. And it's got tips for sort of like every aspect of your life, a, a really good read it gets 94 percent five star ratings um, on amazon as well just in case you want to know what other people think and uh, if you haven't been on books on the hill it's well worth a, a visit i noticed on their facebook page that they've also got in their copy of the hertfordshire cookbook um, i mean it looks to 
have a lovely cover and lots of recipes from all your sort of favourite local bars and restaurants and cafes. I think it'd make a really, really nice present. Um, and actually, if you're over Fleetville Way rather than in town, you can pick up a copy at the Fleetville Larder instead, where Ed is back serving tasty treats to eat in as well as wonderful cheese to take home. Um, now, um, Plastic Free July continues and Sustainable St Albans next meeting will be a Zoom meeting at 7.30 on Thursday the 30th of July and the theme of the meeting will be sharing chat and tips on Plastic Free July. So go armed with your your tips and um, share them and see what other people have to say and you'll find all the details on the Sustainable St Albans website. Uh, now, a great way to do something lovely for the environment, keeping stuff out of landfill and uh, avoiding buying new is uh, shopping at a charity shop. If you're concerned about the safety of shopping at a charity shop in the COVID age, then do check out my conversation with Elton, who manages the Fleetville Oxfam shop. Um, I spoke to him last week and you'll find uh, my conversation with him on the podcast page of RadioVerulam.com. Always good to hear from you. Keep in touch by Twitter at RV underscore environment, our Facebook page, or drop me a line, Amanda at RadioVerulam.com. I'll be back at the same time next week. Until then, thank you for listening.